direct from both Eternia and Etheria. From deep within the confines of Castle Grayskull, it's time to join in the battle for the power of goodness with Chris Vint and the Masters of the Universe Chronicles. Welcome to another Master Universe Chronicles commentary, but it's a Chronicles commentary with a difference. Um, there is a James here, but it's not James E. Talk because um, James Sawyer. Hello, James. Hello. Um, we came up with an idea some time ago, and I'll let you um, divulge what we're going to be doing, James. We're going to do commentary for the 1987 live-action Masters of the Universe movie. Oh, I thought it was Secret of the Sword. We're not doing Secret of the Sword instead. Um, no. Oh, okay. All you right. can leave. <laughs> Yay! Yeah. Well, you can just discuss it, but it'll not be recorded. That's fine, no problem. And um, the other person uh, joining in the festivities is another person who does Master Universe Classics Facebook page, which is Dylan Cook. Hello to you, Dylan. Hello, mate. You're right. I am fine, thank you. And how are everyone doing? Are we all geared up? We're recording this before Christmas, but it'll actually air on the 26th on Pop Culture Network, so that's Boxing Day in the UK, and I don't know what it is in America because I'm ignorant. Um, so uh, I, it's I hope... It's in America. It's like, <laughs> take a rest day. All right, okay. So happy take a rest day or Boxing <laughs> no, Day. I'm not, that's not accurate. I'm just saying that. Well, you I'm should... Not. No, but you should. No, just pitting that as take a rest day. Okay, so uh, we could all sit down and watch Master Universe live action film with Dolph Lundgren and Frank Langella, and um, you may notice that I will probably be the quieter ones. It was something similar to the Chronicles commentary with James Bustin's E Talk, because Mr. Sawyer is a huge fan of this. Um, I would imagine Dylan would be. I've seen this film a couple of times, so um, I know bits and pieces about it. But um, these guys will probably be more knowledgeable and pointing out things, Mr. Sawyer especially. So, right, gentlemen, are we all highlighted on Play Movie and ready to play this? I'm oh, ready. Yes. Yeah. Okay. After, whenever I say three, two, one, go, then just hit play and then we will go. So, three, two, one, go. And then up comes this cannon thing. So, the Cannon Group Incorporated presents. And I wonder what they'll be presenting. So, uh, what, before we get uh, kicked off, James, do you remember the first time you've watched this film? I, uh, it wasn't, an, an, I didn't get to see it in the theater, um, which is, I know, kind of ridiculous. Um, I remember more the commercials and the trailers. I was at my grandparents' house, and I saw the commercial for it, and it was just, it blew my mind. I was like, there's a live-action He-Man movie? Because <laughs> this is before the days, you know, of internet and... You knew what movies were coming, and I was just a kid, so I didn't read a lot of, like, Starlog or stuff like that back then. Um, but I, I wanted to see it, but we didn't see a lot of movies in the theater as a kid. Um, it was kind of like a, a, a real event if you went to the movies when I was a kid. Um, but I'd say I was probably around, like, 89, maybe, 88, that I finally got to see it on TV. Um, and it's been one of my favorite movies ever since. And is it just me, or does this music just remind everyone of Superman? Yes, it's not by John Williams, though, is it? No. No, no. it's Bill Conti. Yeah, that's it. It's, just, it's actually, the, the uh, title sequence is very much Superman as well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> the flying names and all the the 80s colour scheme there. 
Oh, but this is what you've got to love about this film. It kind of mixes Superman and Star Wars and all these different things. Everything that was good about the 80s all into one film. Yep. And I just came up there saying uh, somebody that uh, Mr. Sawyer talked to very recently. Isn't that right, James? Uh, Meg Foster, yeah. it's um, She was at the uh, Horror Hound convention here in Cincinnati just a couple weekends back, and she was awesome. Such a nice lady. Um, my friend Nick and I went up to meet her, and we explained that we really liked the movie, and I told her about the, the website and all that stuff. And She was very... Most of the people that were there were not willing to do pictures with people. Like, you had to pay this picture fee to mm-hmm. get a picture taken. Yeah. But she was just very much, come around the table and take a picture with me, and she had us come around her booth and take pictures with us and she gave us each a kiss on the cheek and I was blown away I was like dude Evelyn just kissed me <laughs> amazing that's so, what's uh, known as the kiss of death so uh, oh, nice knowing you James great. it was great she looked great too she still looks great um, we uh, we actually ran into her later on too she was uh, outside my friend Nick is a smoker which you really shouldn't do um, <laughs> but she was out there and she was getting the smoke and uh, she had no cigarettes left and she couldn't leave the convention because mm-hmm. she has to stay there and uh, she asked Nick if she could get a cigarette from him, and he was like, "That's fine." He's like, "She was like, I'll pay you for it. I'll pay you for it." And he was like, "No, no, you don't have to pay me for it. I'm not gonna make you pay for it." So we actually left the convention and brought her back cigarettes, and she did these like pictures with the cigarettes with it for us. <laughs> just so nice, and she was just a very, very nice lady. Uh, totally the antithesis of Evil Ann. She's uh, she's very, very nice, but she did a, a fantastic job as Evil Ann in this movie. Mm. <laughs> You're right there, Dylan. Yeah, the, mm. last, you know, the, the skeletal bit started, and there she is. So yeah, <laughs> it's, it's nice to see skeletal win. Yes, yes. Oh, what a great way to open this! If you're a fan of, if you're a fan of filmation and the mini comics and stuff like that, to see Skeletor is inside Castle Grayskull. He's conquered it. It's just like, what a way to open it. Oh, yeah. You know. Well, I remember when I was a kid to see this and. I I thought this was a continuation of the formation, so yeah. to see, it was just like wow, he's actually won, you know. But because it was Secret of the Sword after this or before this, I can't remember now. I think uh, it's before this, I think, right? Yeah, 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 yeah it would have been, yeah. The sorceress looks very much like you know, especially the head headdress kind of not obviously not as vibrant as it was in the filmation but it seemed, I think that they cast out really well and obviously I will mention the friends connection between <laughs> her and Courtney Cox because she played Courtney Cox's mom Monica's mom in Friends see I, I love these Star Trek connections so you're probably going to get a lot of those from me in here <laughs> okay uh, I'm a, a big Star Trek fan so uh... I have not noticed on your Twitter feed at all James <laughs> I have not noticed <laughs> Um, what do you guys think about this makeup on Skeletor? Love uh, it. Me too. Oh, oh yeah, I think I think I think if they were to do it nowadays, I don't think it would be, you know, um, say like with Yoda, you know, like in Episode Two and Three, they did CGI which worked brilliantly, and then the older ones they did the pop up, but in Episode One it just looked horrible. Yeah. Whereas I think this, you know, like especially if a kid, you just look at it and that is Skeletor, and you know you're just looking at him just getting. The life, near enough scared idea. Oh, see, even. Oh, sorry. sorry. Okay. I just want to interject while this is on the screen. The, the hollow sphere sequence here is like dead on the production painting by Claudio Mazzoli. Um, and you see a lot of that throughout the movie where the pre production paintings are pretty close to what you end up with on screen. You know, it, it didn't diverge too much. But sorry, go ahead, Dylan. You were going to say about the makeup. But it was just um, even looking at it now, it hasn't aged up badly. 
I don't think I, it has I, at all. No, yeah. I think I don't. I think it looks quite good. And I'm more impressed that Frank Langella can act so well behind all that layer of latex. Exactly. You know, he, he, all his expressions and everything still come through. It's it's brilliant. And I, I mean, I actually quite like the whole costume that he had as well. It's, yeah. It's very much a mix of a sorcerer. He's definitely not a warrior as such, which is quite nice because it's it's a total balance between him and scantily clad Dolph Lundgren. You know. Yeah. <laughs> what do I th- what do I think of He-Man having a cape? Well, I loved this? it. I quite like it. That boot knife he just threw. I I own that boot knife. Yeah. You own it? Yeah, I own it. Oh, that. wow. Um, See, I told you James was a bit of a fan of this film, yeah, folks. Yeah, a, a bit of a fan of this movie. And you'll notice that he throws that boot knife, but doesn't retrieve it, but throughout the rest of the movie, he has the boot knife in his boot. Um, so at some point, I guess, he went back and pulled it out of that guard. Um, <laughs> this whole scene is on the Vasquez Rocks, which is from the original Star Trek. They filmed Arena there, and they filmed uh, some of the Vulcan scenes in the new movie there, so that's one of the connections. And then Chelsea Field here, who's coming up as Tila. Um, she is married to Scott Bakula, who is Captain Archer. Oh, the yeah. And she was also a contender for um, Captain Janeway when they were casting Voyager. So there's oh. a couple of Star Trek references right off the bat for you. And what are our <laughs> thoughts on uh, Gwildor? I love I Gwildor. I do. I like Billy Barty, he's awesome. But I, I, I quite like the fact that they went for something different other than Orca, because that would have been impossible to do. I exactly. Think. Yeah, and that I mean, uh, he gets a lot. Gary Goddard got a lot, got a lot of flack for that too, not doing Orko in the movie. But at the time, you just—I mean, there's no way you could have done Orko on this kind of budget, you know? No. Um, it's just impossible. And I think more people would have complained if Orko would have been changed to fit the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if let's say that they just called the Gwildor character Orko, and he looked like that, everybody would have like, That's, <laughs> I can't believe they made Orko like that. But they couldn't have done Orko right, so what's the what's the point of doing Orko if you can't do him right yet? There's, yeah. They're they're not saying that Orko doesn't exist, just like they don't say Battle Cat doesn't exist. We just don't see them in this movie, you know. Um, and this had, is kind of like a future thing, though, isn't it? It's like what if Skeletor had won? Well, we all for yeah. all we know that Battle Cat and Orko got killed. Yeah, exactly. Not, not that I want so that, any, but you know. Man, John Cipher's Man at Arms, I think, is awesome, and I think he is the closest, probably to being influenced by the filmation show like mm. yeah especially the headgear the mustache yeah, the, the, the yeah. way the armor is if you look at it it's the wrong color really for what you want it to be it works for a live action movie but the, the basic shape of the armor the design yeah, and the amount of stuff that's attached to his back as well yeah it's very very close to the way Man at Arms was plus just the way he portrays him is, I mean the other ones the movie take is a little different than the filmation like yeah, I was going to say Taylor's like more overcautious than anything. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, but Man at Arms is pretty close to what he was before. No, I think out of them all, Taylor was the only character I was never happy with because she she's lost a lot, I think, in the translation. I, I agree. I agree. She the only there's only one kind of moment in the movie where she's really Tila, and that's when she busts out in the the record store or the, mm, the yeah. music shop, and she's woman at arms. You know, she's fighting back too. That's the only moment where you see really Tila being Tila. You know. I love this music. Oh, it's so Fucking good. The key music is lovely. That's one of the. Uh, I think that is the only bit of music that was written before the movie. Um, actually right. was like filmed and everything because they, it actually works in the plot because Kevin has to hum it and they have to play it and all that stuff That so the Cosmic Key music had to be written beforehand to, to, to show because that's such an integral part of the movie where Kevin has to figure out the tones that they had to know the basic song beforehand 
I'm going to go out on a limb here, James, and say that the Cosmic Key theme you probably had as a message alert tone on your mobile phone. I had it as a ringtone. I have. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of sad because it, it's it's very kind of soft and melodic, you know. Um, and I have it for one of my friends, my friend Nick, who's, who's made it very much into the movie too. And whenever it plays, my wife is like, "How come he has a softer, nicer ringtone than I have?" He's got <laughs> this beautiful song, you know. Whenever he calls. Um, so yeah, I I have this on multiple ringtones. I, oh, oh, can I just say something about Dolph Lundgren? Yeah, I'm really impressed that this this was his first film, wasn't it? I Rocky Four, I think, was his first. Oh, no. but his first lead, wasn't it? Kind yeah, of first lead, yeah. Yeah, he, I think he did a really good job. And even now, I I struggle to think of anyone else to play He Man. I, I, I totally agree. I, I I think he gets blasted for this movie a lot, and I don't get it. I mean, he plays He Man like He Man. I mean, he's he is He Man. Exactly. I mean, yeah, it's a case of if you were to put Sylvester Stallone or Arnold Schwarzenegger in this role with no. long blonde hair, it would not work because it no. could, you know, like, hey, Adrian, give me the sword. You know, I like, exactly. can't really see that working. You'd constantly, especially um, at that point, they were such huge stars. I mean, all he had really was uh, Rocky IV, so it wasn't hard to just take it out and say, okay, that's He Man. That's not, oh, that's Arnold Schwarzenegger being He Man, or that's Sylvester Stallone being He Man. Mm. Dolph Lundgren was He Man. I think uh, I think it'd be great if they worked him into the new movie somehow. If the new movie ever happens, like maybe it's King Grayskull or something. Now these older, that's yeah, it's a good because you know seeing him on TV now, it doesn't look like he's aged. You know, like Sylvester Stallone, Arnie is aged quite badly. Where he doesn't look like he's aged that much. Yeah, I, I, I agree. There's Castle Grayskull off in the background there. You really see it? Does Castle Grayskull remind you of the Dark Crystal Castle as well a little bit? It does, and I don't know if um, if any of the designers worked on both movies. I, I've never looked back to see, but I think this is William Stout's first job as like a, a full-on production designer. I don't know if he did some work before this on other movies, but man, talk about just a crazy vision for things. It just looks yeah. like this set. You don't see sets like this anymore. This is all blue screen and green mm. screen, but this was an actual physical set where there was like a big giant Grayskull throne room. That's just awesome. Mm-hmm. It's the statues of the elders and, and oh, the yeah. dragon door. I love that dragon door. I love the dragon symbol. I think it's cool to have a, an actual Grayskull symbol type thing. And mm-hmm. He Man has it on his armor, and it's just uh, really neat. And these catacombs underneath, where there's that goes down below. I mean, I think we all know, but just to reiterate it here, there were going to be scenes down below that where Skeletor and He Man battled down through there, and there was a whole sequence with the Snake Men underneath the catacombs of Grayskull, and all that had to be taken out due to budget, which man, if he'd have had an unlimited budget this movie would have been pretty incredible not that I don't think it's incredible now um, but just the stuff they had planned for this movie were just intense nothing else like a an 80's cartoon tie-in movie should even try and do, but they were trying to do it for this movie um, What do we think of the Power Sword, James? I, of course, I'm going to say I love it. I think. It's- <laughs> yeah, I think it'll be hard push for you. No, I hate that. That that's <laughs> awful. Exactly. There's going to be very few things where you hear me say, "Oh, I, I really dislike that." Um, I would love to buy a prop replica of that sword. I think it's awesome. They had one, one of the actual props on eBay a couple of years, or not pro- eBay, but Profiles in History, I think it was, sold a cosmic key and a sword, and I was trying to figure out anything I could do to come up with money to pay for those. <laughs> Kidneys for sale. Six grand and like the sword, was like ten grand. Um, but yeah, I uh, sadly I could not afford that. 
I want that happy stuff. He can have the power sword. Give me that. <laughs> <laughs> we just need to go to that museum out in what is it, Kansas? I think has it. They have uh, oh. this costume and havoc staff on display there. Oh, pilgrimage time, I think. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, love this speech. It's weird also seeing He-Man with a blaster in his hand. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It just shows that how how bad things have got, I think. You know, how yeah. it's like they're really at war and they're they're the rebels and they're kind of running scared almost, you know. It's they don't have much left. Is there a name for the soldier guys with Skeletor? Well, it's weird. They, I think they just call them um, Centurions, maybe? There's the Air Centurions, and then there's there's ones that, you, if you see every once in a while, there's one that has a red cape, you know, every once in a while, and I think they call him the Warlord. Like, anyone that has a red cape is a Warlord. Um, uh, it, it's referred to a couple times throughout. Um, and then there's all these regular standard guys, which I always just call them Stormtroopers. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just call, I'll call them Horde Troopers. <laughs> Would See, you like these oh. ones back there, near him? I said, would you like these guys in MOTC though? Oh, I'd love it. <laughs> I, I, you know, I know we're only gonna get three because it doesn't seem like they're even gonna try to do. Because he's made the point multiple times now that, well, we've got so much other things to do first. You know, we'll we'll do these other things and we'll worry about that other stuff later on. And I, I really think we're only gonna get those three that we got before. But as long as we get a Gwildor, I'm happy. I, I, I have to have a Gwildor. I wonder if they'll do it movie likeness style, though, or will they try and integrate it? I don't know if they'll well, do licenses or not. Obviously, with them getting the Back to Future line, and then Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd have signed off their likeness, you know, what's to say that they can't get a Dolph Lundgren? Mm. I'd love it if they did, but, man, he, he <laughs> really does a lot of... I mean, I'm not trying to come down to what you're over this whole thing. You're going to mention the L word, aren't you? Logistics! <laughs> yeah, it's logistics. They can't afford to do it. Um... I, I just can't see how they were. I mean, we're, I don't want to go too off on a tangent, but how bad they were at their own licensing, where they can't do figures based on a movie based on their property. They can't do figures based on a cartoon based on their property. You know, it's like it's just kind of ridiculous. Now, I went bought a PKE meter the other day. Oh yeah. On the off chance that maybe they'll make a cosmic key. You know, it's uh, he made the whole point of if you want props from the other lines, well, we got to see how the PKE meter sells. So I was like, you know what? I'll buy a PKE meter. If that means it increases my chances of getting a cosmic key, I'll buy a PKE meter. Yeah, but the thing is, is that uh, Dylan and I may not be able to get one if it has, like, loads of these sticker things, oh, like the PKE meter. Because I was going to get one for my wife, because she really wants one, but it's, he said that they won't ship to Europe. That's so. poor planning. Mm. So, I, mean, I can understand what he said because he said, sorry mate, he said, oh, we have to make it look as authentic as possible so we don't want writing all over it. Yeah. But if you can't sell it out of the United States, then what's the it's point of having it online? You know? Yeah. I think that was just poor planning on their part. I don't think that they even may have even checked before they, they had the whole plan because I can't see them not coming up with a way to sell to half the world, you know? It's just, uh, talk about losing a huge chunk of the market. Uh, on tangents here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to be like Master Universe Chronicles if we didn't go off on random tangents. Yeah, exactly. Master Universe uh, 1987 movie features PKA meter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you get a really good shot of Man-at-Arms armor there that you can see the similarities and 
Even that, like, that bird design thing that they have on the, the current Eternian Guard 2-packs is on his shoulder. Uh -huh. um, it's on his uh, left shoulder, I think it is. I think that's a really good part of the makeup as well, though, the whole... Oh, it's great! Yeah, those are brilliant! He's, he's fantastic. Is he little ears? He yeah, the, the little moving ears and they blow the water out of them. Um, a, little, a quick little story here on He-Man's boots, which you may have read. I, I did an interview with William Stout not too long ago, and he talked about how there's only one issue with, with Dolph Lundgren that he came in for his costume fitting, and William Stout came in to check on him, and he had on these little tiny half wrestler boots. Like, they only came up to, like, maybe the, the, just a little bit above the ankle. And William Stout saw them and was just thinking in his head, these look terrible, there's no way these are going to fly. And he was very much like, ah, oh, I want to wear these kind of boots, these are the kind of boots we should have. And William Stout had to talk him into thinking they were very feminine. For him, <laughs> oh, should you say that? All boots. Um, but that's, thankfully, William Stout stepped in and, and convinced Dolph Lundgren that that looked very feminine. Otherwise, we would have had a little half boot here. <laughs> Uh, okay, James, quick question for you. Do you really have random bovines wandering around forest areas? Oh, all the time. <laughs> I, 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 I'm looking out the window right now and I see one. <laughs> no, I, 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 you know, I, I'm there. See, I, I don't think I ever really pinned down where this is at, but I mean, it's filmed in California for the most part. I don't think they have a lot of cows running around out there, that's for sure. Um... Oh, it gives girls their excuse to speak cow. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Oh. The cow's great, too. The, the cow does a, a fantastic bit of acting at the end. <laughs> kind of watches Gwildor leave. It looked as if he was punching the keys at random. There's no way of telling where they might I love this sequence here, too. Man at Arms is explaining how bad it is, and He-Man's just like, right, yeah, that's what we're going to do. You know, it's just like... <laughs> He means that it's okay. Yeah, we're gonna fight off a bunch of army. That's just what we're gonna have to do. You know. Uh, <laughs> good journey. That's fantastic. And now it's it's been as much as kind of the the movie gets criticized. I think a lot of, of fans have latched onto the good journey thing as the kind of greeting amongst He-Man fans. What did you think? Oh, sorry, Chris, you're about to say. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, here we see the first appearance of Courtney Cox and, um, you know, working in the chicken place, which obviously uh, Gwildor comes accustomed to. I was very disappointed when I found out that this wasn't a real chicken place. <laughs> that was it's not? Movie. Oh, no, it was. Bill Stout actually designed this chicken place. Um, That's okay, because Mattel wouldn't have license for a place no, yet exactly. to do with this. <laughs> I, had, I had these big plans that I was going to, to fly out to Whittier, California and just tour the different spots where the movie was filmed. And I wanted to find Robbie's ribs. And then I found out that it wasn't a real place, and I was very bummed. What, what did you guys think of them coming to Earth, though? It's, you know, it's, it's budget constraints. Um... I mean, there was really no other way of doing it other than bringing it to Earth. And the Eternia stuff looked so good that I was okay with, with how good Eternia looked in the spots we got to see. And, you know, it, I think it worked. I mean, he made it so that it, you know, they didn't look ridiculous coming to Earth. Um, it kind of tied them to reality. Um, I don't know. I think they worked. I think we would have seen more of Eternia in the sequel. 
um, had it ever been made, but uh, I'm okay with the, the tie-ins to Earth. It's very similar to, in some respects, like in John Pertwee's um, Doctor Who, you know, he was obviously a time traveller, but he was, you know, the majority of his seasons was him on Earth, because, you know, they'd done a storyline where he didn't have a part for the TARDIS, so he couldn't, you know, fly around the world, so it was a case of he was based on Earth, so very much similar to that, but it's a case of, you know, you're getting to see how they interact with the people of Earth and the Earth customs and all that kind of stuff. It was sort of in the same vein of a lot of the 80s movies, like, you know, Flight of the Navigator and E.T. and um, The Last Starfighter, where it was like, okay, you bring it to Earth and then everybody can relate to it. Um, So I was okay with that. What, What was your thought on that, Dylan? I remember as a kid, I wasn't too happy because I wanted, you know, you know, because you want to see more Eternia and you want to see yeah. everything come alive. But as I've got older and I keep watching it, I don't mind it so much, and I've actually quite like it. I, um, I, it, it feels like filmation again, though, doesn't it? Because they went to different places and they did come go to us in the Christmas special. So. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I, was just, I was about to say, you know, we didn't get to see a lot of that in the filmation. You know, they spent a lot of time in Eternia Theory or whatever. We got the Christmas special that came to Earth. But I would have loved to have seen an episode of the Filmation series where He-Man and Skeletor, like, went to Earth. Like, Skeletor tried to take over Earth or something like that. Mm-hmm. I thought that would have been really cool. So I'm I'm kind of okay with this being another chunk of the story where it just happens to happen on Earth. Okay, we're going to have to eat some, some, some meat here. Now, Tila kind of goes... Ugh, this used to be an animal, and Man Arms is okay with it. And everybody's like, oh man, this is ridiculous. You know, of course the Eternians eat meat. You know, of course they do. And my point is always, if my food talked to me, like a battle cat talks, I wouldn't eat animals that talked. <laughs> so my, my thought is, you know, maybe on Eternia they don't eat that much meat, and maybe it just looks like meat, you know? Um, because I wouldn't go around eating animals that talked. That's for sure. Because we don't know, I mean, if, if a lot of the other animals on Eternia talked too, if Cringer was that special or what. Um... But yeah, I'm not gonna eat talking animals. Oh, I, I do like the dynamic between Tila and Man at Arms in this film. Yes, because they do they do feel like a, a father daughter. I totally agree. Yeah. yeah. Is anyone else hungry right about now? Yeah. I really am. I, I prepared a giant drink for this, but I didn't grab a lunch or anything. So. I'm and now I'm seeing all this. Like, oh, That's okay. We'll put that in the in the moral at the end. You know, like today we watched a 1987 movie, but James forgot to pack lunch. Remember, meals are vital. <laughs> oh, I could do with some red. Uh... <laughs> Shush! Stop talking to me. <laughs> I love that drank the barbecue sauce. I think that's <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. He needs a bib. Look at him. He's just a huge mess, you know. It's... <laughs> Getting it out of that beard is not going to be easy. There's going to be tats and everything there, bits of chicken left over. Of course, we know this Star Trek connection with Robert Duncan McNeil, right? Everybody knows yeah. this one. Uh, no, go on. He's uh, Lieutenant Tom Paris on uh, Star Trek Voyager. Okay, I'm not a Star Trek fan at all, so... Ridiculous. I don't. I don't even know who that is. This vent... <laughs> <laughs> this will be the last time that James Sawyer and I speak uh, publicly on the podcast after he disowns me for not knowing enough Star Trek TV. Actually, another bit of fame for him. He's a director now as well. That's right. He, he's directing Chuck. Yeah. yeah. A lot of the episodes of Chuck. Which kind of upsets me because he's been listed for multiple conventions and of course I want to meet Kevin. Um, 
but he always has to cancel out because he's like directing an episode of Chuck or he has to come in and reshoot something on Chuck or something. So he's canceled out on multiple conventions because of Chuck work. But Chuck's good. I don't watch Chuck. <laughs> That's why. Because I'm so mad at Chuck. No. <laughs> <laughs> I can't edit this out, Jim. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, in the commentary from the movie, they talk about how the, he was losing the light here, so they put those lights in the back of the background so that they have a, a, a source for fake light. And it's just like, man, I, I, you don't think about those kind of things as you're watching a movie. You know, that they have to deal with those kind of things and come up with ways to make it work. Hmm. Courtney Cox's sweet jean jacket. Look at those. She, like, bedazzled it. It looks amazing. <laughs> Her and Marty McFly would go well together. <laughs> okay, did you guys read the bio for the Preturning in Disguise He-Man yet that comes with the Cosmic Key? Yeah. Not as yet, no. Um, They don't really talk about the Cosmic Key very much, which is kind of upsetting for me. <laughs> I was um, expecting them to say something like... That's logistics, James, so it is. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it must be. They didn't make a mention of Gwildor whatsoever, so I was I was pretty disappointed by that. James, keep reading the bios. That's what they keep say. Keep reading the bios. <laughs> Another thing, again, we're going to go off on a tangent here. <laughs> well, some people are. I'll just sit and listen. Okay, so he, he flat out said, you'll see the rest of the storyline from the, the Powers of Grayskull mini-comics revealed in this bio. Did, did I miss it? Because it seemed like all they just said was he went back in time and fought with Hero. There was no reveal of a further storyline. Yeah, they did. They did. They said he found out a way to finally kill King Hiss, and that's it. Oh, okay. I must have missed that part. Okay. That's, that's good. all you're getting. That's all we're getting. Yeah. Because <laughs> he, he, he said um, recently that it isn't everything in detail. It's just a snippet of why he went back in time and what he did. Ah, uh, the days of synthesizers. He's great at it, though. Man, <laughs> He's a master tone maker. Every time I see this and then see like the you know the the light and stuff, all I can think of is Futurama. And the uh you know, like the wee um like trumpet thing that he plays and it brings up like images for Leela to see. I see I don't watch a lot of Futurama either. I'm missing out on all these good shows, I guess. <laughs> that's okay, you miss out on that and I miss out in Star Trek. So that's this <laughs> evening now. I'll trade you. <laughs> now, in one of the old, uh, I think it was maybe Cinefantastic magazine, maybe, they went off of a lot of the storyline, I guess, that was for the original working script or something, or maybe just original concepts, but they talked about Kevin being He-Man's alter ego, which I'm so glad that isn't in the movie. Mm -hmm. that, that somehow Kevin gets imbued with the power of He-Man and he is He-Man at some point. It was very confusing in the article, but it was before the movie came out when it was still in, in pre-production. Um, and it was just a, a ridiculous aspect that I'm so glad didn't make it. I... Star, Star Wars Empire Strikes Back. What is uh, he's my favorite. Which one? Are you, which one? Sorob. I love Sorob. Without a doubt, me too. I was going to ask you guys which of the four, or I'm sorry, the three, I guess it would be... I have a soft spot for Cobb. Yeah. Which yeah I, would actually, I would actually say Blade. Blade's your favorite? Yeah, Blade's yeah. cool. I, yeah. I, I love Karg. I wish... Or, I'm, I'm not, sorry, not Karg. I, I love Sorod. I wish that they wouldn't have killed off Sorod in the movie. Um, mm. 
I wish he would have shot Karg instead. I'm not a big Karg fan. No, I was going to say he's my least favorite, followed closely by uh, Chewbacca's brother. <laughs> <laughs> that actor, I think, is, is the only one that's that's dead of this bunch. What, the Beastman one? Yeah, the guy that played Beastman. Is, oh. Yeah. I like the fact they gave him a top knot, though. I don't know why. Yeah, it's it's sort of kind of a cool like savage look. Hmm. I, I think that because he was he's really the only one that's in the filmation, but I think they did a nice job of translating him to the film. It's just a shame he doesn't really talk; he just grunts a lot. You know? Yeah. What's and, weird is the um. I think he was the first one designed, <laughs> maybe, of the uh, the redesigns or the designs for the movie. Um, and if you look at the uh, the Marvel Comics adaption. Most of the characters in there that were in the cartoon and the toy line before have their original look in the adaption, except for Beastman, who has his movie look. So it's like, it's I, I don't know why he's just uh got a, an interesting look. Blade was the odd one though, wasn't he? Because he was yellow with yellow a weird skin grid. with like a mouth. Yeah, and yeah. look at the prototype of that toy. And I think it's what is it, the '87 Mattel catalog? There is a toy version with that mouth guard on. Um, which that, I'm glad they didn't have the mouth guard either. That would have taken Blade's performance <laughs> down, I think. I'm loving the poses that they each come out. You know? Yeah. <laughs> this card looks like he's going to be blown away by it all. I think it's his card. Uh, so tiny. He's just. He's got that huge melon. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of influence uh, of bats in his design. They wanted yeah, to make that bat crazy. creature. His, his ears are kind of hidden in that hair, but he's got those huge ears along the sides of his head. He looks a bit like like a mutant version of Gwildor, actually, with the hair and yeah, the ears. He does, yeah. I've got to make that. Oh, the more characters don't like the one. Thought, well, let's put a bit of this in here, and they'll put this in there because he's got that weird Elizabethan collar thing going on, hasn't he? And yeah, he's, he's got cape. weird costume elements going on. The hook, and then all these jewels everywhere. Uh, yeah, he's, he's got. got yeah. I always thought Carg was a woman though when I watched it as a kid. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know, um, oh, Carg the cross-dressing Eternian. <laughs> I'm trying to think who it is. That this, that, have, you, have you guys seen the relic? No, I have not. Uh, uh, I'm just trying. It's oh, Kindergarten Carg. You know, the, yes, the head, head mistress. In that. Oh, I yeah. yes. That oh, yeah. I always thought it was her. I, I can see that. Yeah, that's really <laughs> accurate. No offense to her looks or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, way to get out of that hole there, Dylan. He's got to know what this is. No, you go ahead. He sounds really strange, but kind of want to spend some time here. Defeated by a man. He got him. I'm melting. He's <laughs> <laughs> a drama queen, Beastman, isn't he? God, get on with it. Yeah, it's like, man, you just got some ammonia in the face. Let it go. <laughs> I like Only in America could you run down the streets and not get up, and nobody would say anything. Yeah, no, not a word. I, I like the kind of cartoonish element here too, where it's kind of the villains are a little bumbling at first. You know, it's uh it's like, oh, the girl got away, go get her. You know, it's it's interesting to see how a, a teenage girl would escape three or four giant villains. 
the guy who plays Blade is brilliant, though. He's great. I, I, I was reading an interview with him recently. I didn't realize he was the one who, was tra who trained Michelle Pfeiffer to be Catwoman with a bullwhip. Yeah. Yeah, and um, Indiana Jones as well, wasn't it? He I still think so, yeah. Ah, giant naked man. I and I love that everything's set at night. Mm. You know, it, it makes all of them work more and make them more believable rather than it all being in daylight. Yeah, like something like this wouldn't really work in the daylight. You know, you yeah, have to set it at night, and it just adds that r real good feel to it as well. Pong's Smart did a really good job walking as Zorod. Oh a yeah, very lizard-like walk. It is. No, he's kind of head moves as he's going. Yeah, it's, mm -hmm. it's very well done. Um, for me, you know, as as I watched this growing up, and as I uh, have gotten older. I try to think of, you know, justifying that He-Man isn't quite as powerful here as he was in Filmation. Um, and I try to, to, to justify it by, you know, Sorcius has been captured, He-Man, or Skeletor controls Grayskull, so maybe he is slightly depowered here. You know, he's not as, as epic as he is in Filmation. Plus the fact that, you know, before they come to Earth, you know, you can see, pardon the pun, but almost the... the battle scars on his face, you know, like the the dirt and everything on his face, you know, if it had been battle armor, it'd probably be been like two X's on him. Two dents in there already. Yeah. That's maybe another reason why he's using guns and stuff, is that he just doesn't have power. <laughs> <laughs> Man, she went for it. She was ready to kill Sarad right there. The fights are actually quite brutal, aren't they? They are. They really are. Especially if you're a kid watching this. It's just like, wow, you know, that's a real fight. And this is a different time, too, man. 80s cartoon-based movie. You know, it, it wouldn't have happened like this nowadays. Well, you think about it now, if you have a fight sequence that's heavily choreographed and it's choppily yeah. edited, whereas this, is, you can see everything's done in a take, and it looks, yep. I mean, this sword fight's brilliant. It really is. She's in here somewhere! Find her! A lot of quick cuts there, you know, showing each member the villains fighting, or where they're taking place in this fight. I like the way Man at Arms has his visor down as well. Yeah. <laughs> You're safe, do you understand? What are you saying, Dolph? I can't understand you. <laughs> I'm blinded by your beauty. <laughs> <laughs> are we talking about her or you, James? What are we talking about her. here? <laughs> I think you already did. <laughs> God, Courtney Cox looks so tiny compared to him. Yeah, she <laughs> does, but she looks like a child next to him. Yeah. Protect yourself. I think Charlie was is played by one of the guys that was in My Three Sons. Almost looks like a young Will Farrell. He does. <laughs> <laughs>
I love how people are just kind of okay with this technology. They're they're amazed by it. It's <laughs> like, oh yeah, wow. It emits lights out of nowhere. If, if somebody brought this to me, I'd be like, what the heck is this thing, you know? <laughs> Not just taking it at face value. We're going to have the FBI, CIA, <laughs> everyone coming in. <laughs> I'd be going the news. It would just be... <laughs> it wouldn't be... I'm carrying it around thinking it's a synthesizer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I definitely want Mattel to make one of these. I would love it. I'm actually quite impressed that they've managed to get the pre-attorney human one that looks a lot like it. I don't know how they got around that. Since they don't have the licensing. Um, well, they, since they did a key in the vintage toy with Gwildor, I think that opened the door. Plus, they had a prototype for a role-play one for kids. Uh -huh, it was pretty close to the movie. I mean, it wasn't. I mean, it was obviously a kid's toy, but you could tell it was definitely based on that. So I think that's how they got around it, was that they could say it's based on that. Besides that walkie-talkie, it looks like he's... It's a normal size <laughs> walkie-talkie, he's like a two-year-old. This is Zach Morris from Mobile Phone. <laughs> And you'd be pretty gutted if you were to go to school and find your school had been burnt down. I'm actually lying. I think everyone would be really happy if their school had burnt down. Please don't set fire to your schools. We're getting introduced to Lubick here. I love Lubick. I wish Soccer! Lubick figure. <laughs> would be amazing. Uh, Return your Lubick or regular Earth Lubick? Either one is fine. I'll take both. <laughs> Return your Lubick comes with Slave Girl. <laughs> but then if we do get a Master... Or if we do get a Back to the Future figure of him, then you could just basically customise it to make your own Lubick figure. Yeah. I think... Well, they said that... Who's, who's signed on? Just Michael J. Fox and... Um, Christopher, uh, Christopher Lloyd. Um, but yeah, I, I'll take him as, as him too, and I'll just put him with my He-Man figures. Yeah, you can dress him up as Blade if you want. <laughs> <laughs> Is he still alive? Uh, yeah, he's still alive. Yep. He doesn't have anything anymore. Yeah, he hasn't I done anything in a while, I guess. I was just going to say that obviously in this Back to the Future, you know, like he just looks the exact same. Yeah. <laughs> He looks the exact same in like all his roles. He's, I think he was numbers in uh, Dick Tracy, and I think his as, difference there was he had on glasses. As Michael J. Fox says in uh, Back to the Future, did not guy ever have hair? <laughs> <laughs> was he in Top Gun too? Yeah, yeah, he was. He's always angry in every film. Yeah. <laughs> he, he plays that great. Turn in high command. Yeah, blow your own trumpet there. <laughs> I always wondered how Gwildor reached the pedals. <laughs> well, he modified it, maybe. <laughs> oh, right, okay. He went to West Coast Customs and got his ride pimped, did he? <laughs> <laughs> He's probably got bricks under his shoes, like... Yeah. 
Oh, there's Indiana Jones again. Yeah. <laughs> Shot around. Hold on to your potatoes, He-Man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's what I'm gonna hear now. <laughs> I love how he has, he has no regard for other people's property. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I don't care. I don't live here. <laughs> it's a nice car. I, I, I really think that's cool imagery, too, seeing all these Eternian guys piling into this old pink Cadillac. <laughs> uh, if you're going to do, like, a tour, you need to get one of these to tour around him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, that'd be Put great. That on the back. There, back to the future. There you go. That'd be fantastic. I love how Gloldor just has all this stuff, too. <laughs> yeah, I came prepared. He has all this stuff just in pouches. Yeah, it must be like Orko in his hat, you know, like just has so many stuff in it. His uh, uh, pockets must be like that. I love this intimate moment here. between like. Yeah. It just felt that there was something between them. Yeah. He's not, he's very tender with her. It's, yeah. It's strange. <laughs> it's, 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 you see this whole kind of backstory here that like Evelyn, like, Almost like the 2000s thing where she was like in love with him and you know that she's kind of with him because who he is, you know, it's just uh, she doesn't even see that he's got this hideous skull face. It's a very dark touch though, because he's basically strangling her, but he's not because he's just stroking at the same time. So it's yeah, mm. kind of just saying, I'm in charge, listen to what I say. What a cool set, man! I, I just, I, even a, like I've seen it a ton of times now, but it's just man, amazing the stuff they did back then. And all of this would have just been on a computer nowadays. Yeah, very much like Star Wars again. Yeah, you know all the sets and everything. But now it's just like yeah, just walk in front of a green. Yeah, screen. you're in a you're in a cartoon basically. Yeah. You, you, every time I watch it, there's always a new detail I can pick out. Like I've just noticed, you know where the holes in the ground are. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I love the bit where Sorod's throat expands. That's really cool. Um, yeah, the, oh, it's really great. The, the, um, on the etching, you can see all the etchings into the stone. They yeah. put so much effort into this. Really, they did. I mean, it's... I think it's two sound stages put together and just, like, all these details that are just... It's amazing. I mean... What... I mean, craftsmen back then. It's just such a lost art. Mm -hmm. Attention to detail. It's yeah. not what it used to be. I love how you can see the sorceress is, you know, looking more aged, you know, as mm -hmm. as he's draining more and more of her power until we get to the final scene where she's decrepit. Why is there still resistance? <laughs> sorceress was never one of my favorite characters in the Filmation cartoon. I preferred her in this than I did in the cartoon. Uh, I preferred her in the cartoon rather than in this. I, think, I don't know I which think, one I like more. But then again, I prefer the new 2000 version of the Sorceress for all three of them, so... Ooh, that's a bold statement. I'm in trouble. No, I'm with you in the 2002 stuff, Dylan. I love the 2002 stuff dearly, but the formation stuff, I just like the design better of the Sorceress in that, but I think she's not as needy in the 2002 one and she is in the formation if that would be right well I see I found a way for Mattel to get both of them into the line it's just the 2002 version battle armor sorceress that'll do it that'll do it yeah 
<laughs> just have just have the source with a couple of feathers just at the bottom. <laughs> Battle armor. <laughs> she can be spin blade sorceress. Oh, oh, no. Uh, <laughs> wash your mouth out, Sawyer. <laughs> Kevin does a, a mar remarkable job of playing off that this is Julie. He looks right at Lubick like, uh-huh. Give me. They really do love their chicken, like, I'll just go to the fridge and then, oh, there's some chicken. Chicken, Robbie's ribs. <laughs> what, what, what gets me is, when he sticks the whole bucket of chicken in the microwave later. He's like, eat this up, <laughs> sticks the whole bucket in there. That's gross, you know? I, <laughs> it's, it's hideous, it's disgusting. That's why we don't see him the day after, it's like, oh, my stomach! <laughs> Eat this up! I'll just throw this whole bucket in here. It's just—it's <laughs> it's, just eat it cold. It's not gonna be good. Save your pity for yourself. If you failed, take them and whatever troops and resources you need. And I love the the lighting change here. You know, it's just kind of like everything's just plain. You're just in a regular old house. Everything's more dynamic when it's around the Eternian characters. I haven't actually noticed that before. Yeah. I love I love those hover ships though. I really oh, think they do. Especially the ones oh, that get back I have one of these pistols too. That these guys are carrying. Maybe your girlfriend's here. The lights are on. No, no, they just leave that on to scare off the burglars. Oh yeah. Let's go. See I, I love this. What's that? Sorry, go I mean, ahead. No, no, sorry. I just wish Evelyn didn't have the weird type things on her. You know, the, oh, the buggy costume, yeah. That would been a little racy, I think, without that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what Dylan is hinting towards, James, you know? <laughs> Evil in all the way. What's going on? Oh, here we go, stick it in the microwave. But, um, I've been really worried about Julie. Kevin, is someone there? Are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> I like the fact that a microwave can jam their stuff. <laughs> How many random dimensions do they open up in this film? Yeah, they're just opening doors all the time. These poor aliens are going, what the hell is that? <laughs> the apocalypse! Oh no, it's gone now. It's like wheels and torchwood with all the rifts opening up. <laughs> oh great, that means Captain Jack's going to pull up. Yay! <laughs> what? You better watch yourself, Lubick. <laughs> That's an image I didn't need. <laughs> Nasty. <laughs> <laughs> Don't put chicken in the microwave, otherwise it'll explode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She helped you out there. Mm. She's not all bad. No, not at all. And you know that they're they're just totally okay now too. With it, with it. The, the microwave just blew up, and then they're just back to talking like, Hey, where'd you get this thing? <laughs> <laughs> Got stuff blowing up my face. It's a microwave. <laughs> you know it's a microwave. You don't need to say stuff. 
Ludwig doesn't own a microwave, he just owns a <laughs> oven. No, he does look at the type that would just eat a can of beans yeah, for his dinner or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a sausage is a savoury 99. <laughs> I have to say that Lubick is probably one of my favourite characters in this film. I just love his portrayal of him. I just think it's absolutely fantastic. Now there were plans um, to uh, to keep going. Like when the uh, I don't know if you saw it in Etox, uh, latest serial geek, but there was uh, a plan in the Marvel comics. I think issue fourteen had it been made that it would have taken on more of the movie stuff. Like, the, the f opening panel has He-Man in his movie costume and all that stuff. So it's possible that Lubick would have eventually been brought into that, you know, and we would have seen him, more of Lubick in the Marvel comic eventually. <laughs> but, nice advertising there for Burger King. Yeah, a <laughs> little product placement. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and then earlier on we saw a box for Lazy Boys as well. Yeah, I like how he just kind of put it in the sink. Well, this is the guy who puts chicken in the microwave for heaven's sake. <laughs> he's just a towel at beast man to get rid of him. That's how yeah. bad he is. Well, I mean, it maybe they had ammonia on the towel. Beastman's <laughs> 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 only weakness. It's like Frank Drebin whenever he threw a towel at him and he just holds it on his face going, Ah! <laughs> Oh, the, the the filming here is, is great, too. And you see the the reflection on Blade's eyepiece of the key and stuff. It's just great. And this thing is cool, too. This color of Alderaan. Oh, wow. I just noticed she's got a cobra on her wrist. Yeah. That is really nice. On her armor. Oh, cool. The last time, kid, where'd you find this? I actually have to admit, I've, I've grown more to like the helmet that she wears as well. I, yeah, I'm okay with it too. I'm, uh, mm. It's better than just being plain hair up there. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't like it as a kid. I mean, not because it didn't look like the Evil Inn toy, but more because it was just, it made it look more masculine, but it actually, it works for the character, I think. Yeah. Everything's really tight and... Careful. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I really thought I'd said that. <laughs> Let's move on now. <laughs> Your wife's not home, is she? Yeah. <laughs> I do like the way they've done his voice. It's really creepy. Oh, it's yeah. Creepy. And I like how they just leave him there like that, too. It's just like they're... They're just mean people. They're just like, you know what, don't take the collar off of him, just leave him there. It's the same shot as before. With the, the blade on the, the picture, they just cropped it in again. You think about the neighborhood they're in, they see this giant ship and all these soldiers. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's asleep, you know, so. <laughs> very quiet. They get that and He-Man gets a pink Cadillac. They, well, they, they know that Julie's moving out, so they probably just think it's a moving van. Centurion <laughs> <laughs> so moving van, that's right. That's what the noise was, honey, they're just moving everything, don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> Uh, 
They say Google's modifications aren't that great, it's not that fast. No, it's very slow, you know. Mm. I guess it, it's only like uh ten miles to the gallon on neutrinos or something. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, just whenever she shouted Kevin there, I expected her to like slap her face as well. I go, Kevin! I was living in Home Alone. <laughs> that's, all, that's all I could think of whenever I hear Kevin shouted. Do you think James will ever get the caller with any figure? Oh, I think it'd be great. I mean, just throw it in there. They threw in, what is it, Tila's gun from the movie with She Ra? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it'd be cool just to throw it in as an accessory with something. You know, throw it in with Blade or Sarad. That's a good Flip idea. Flip around other figures. <laughs> Hopefully the four horsemen are listening and went, that's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> We're not asking for a 2002 face or anything. We're just asking for yeah. this. <laughs> that's hell yeah. It's not hyper anime. No. <laughs> yeah, but the movie style is retired. You can't help that either. <laughs> Kevin uses a towel against the beast man, but picks up a chair to go against the, the heroes. <laughs> <laughs> and here we see Elton. Here we see Elton John. Oh no, sorry, it's Goldor. Sorry. <laughs> I love that shot of Goldor. I think it's crazy. He's going around. He's messing with people's stuff. Like Goldor's kind of a uh, not to use too bad a language here, but he's kind of a dick. You know, he's like <laughs> he's, he's digging through her old mom's clothes and stuff. It's just like, yeah, I'm Goldor. I'll do what I want. Just like, work for E.T., it'll work for me as well. It was all about cross-dressing for 80s kids. Yeah. <laughs> 80s aliens. <laughs> E.T. looked better in drag, though, I think. I think you're right. <laughs> I think we better move on. Your wife's still not home, isn't she? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Seems more shocked at that one than he did like talking about <laughs> Eva Lynn, but nevertheless. Now there's a whole sequence in this in, in the uh, the comic. He's trying to get us back on track here. Um, where, <laughs> Thank uh, you. Where He Man runs into some some kids, some American kids, or, um, and they they want to see his sword. And he shows it to them, and then they're driving, and they see an American flag, and they they're kind of talking about the similarities between Eternia and Earth. And especially the flag is kind of teasing what we find out at the end of the uh, comic adaptation that the original settlers of Eternia came from Earth. Um, so they kind of tied this. This is kind of like a they went into the past kind of thing. See, what do you think of that? I, I'm glad they didn't put that in the movie, really. I mean, it's, it's an unnecessary jump in logic, you know? It's, it's, uh, you didn't need to tie him into Earth that much. I'm really glad it's not in it. I think they tried to now, oh. is he is he is Lubick on a lower level than He Man? Because He Man looks so much they all look so much taller than what Lubick actually is. He's a really see short dude. I was gonna say because Taylor's down beside him and he still you know like it's like Kitty Holmes and Mel or Mel <laughs> Gibson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those two. It's <laughs> Tom Cruise. It's potato potato. <laughs> What were you going to say, Dylan? You were going to say something no, there. It was more so, you know, we were talking about they were going to show the lower levels and the state men, and yeah. I was thinking, I'm kind of glad they didn't, because I think that would have just been too much. Because they wanted She-Ra in it, because, um, was it Mobius designed the She-Ra yeah, costume? Yeah, um, um, it's, it's for I, the better, I think. I agree. I think it may have been too much for the first movie, especially if you're 
you're trying to tie in Earth and do these, all these other things, it would have been a lot to take in in the first movie. I mean, I'm sure that the fans would have loved to seen Snake Men. I would have loved to seen Snake Men. But you're right. It, it almost wouldn't have. Just like we talked about with Orko before, it's yeah. unjustified. They, the changes they would have had to made and kind of like just crammed them in there just to get them in. I was just going to ask, you know, like if they were going to have like King Hiss, how would that work? You know. I don't. I don't know if they were just going to be unnamed Snake Men, or if they were actually going to do like characters or what. All right. Okay. I would assume that the Snake Men would have just been like snake creature type things in the Catacombs of Grayskull, mm. and they would have even been like named or a real threat, or maybe even talked. I think they would have just been like creatures that they had to fight. Um, at that point. Yeah, it's. It's, it's kind of like so, degrading now. Zora's kind of the closest that we'll get to a Snake Man in this film, really. Mm-hmm. If you would just give us that, we would be very, very grateful. Get until I get some and uh, going back to that too, the creation of new characters, I'm totally fine with with them not bringing in the same with the same logic here, not bringing in Trapjaw, Triclops, and the other ones, because you, you to to put them in there would have given them the short end of the stick. You know, it would have been they would have just been background characters, and I I would have rather seen new characters, especially when they kill off Sarad, for example. It's like. Would I rather they killed off Sarat in this movie or kill off Trapjaw and just have him be there for a minute? Mm. I'll, I'll take the new characters, and, and that way we get some new characters in the, the Masters Universe mythos, too, you know? Exactly, yeah. It's not a case if they're trying to stay true to formation and stuff exactly. and go like, right, we're going to put Triclops in, you know, heck, we may even put Scaraglow in or, you know, whatever. It's a case if they're trying to invent new characters yeah. and hence the new property, the new uh, figures that come out as well. And, and again, what we talked about before, with maybe Battle Cat and Orca are somewhere else. Maybe those villains are somewhere else. I mean, they're taking over basically all of Eternia. Yeah. So he's got everybody. He's got all his forces out everywhere. You know. Um, yeah. We see. We see Castle Grayskull. We don't see Snake Mountain. Exactly. So heaven knows what's anywhere. going on. And that may be why he brought in these new bounty hunter guys to send to Earth because he's got all his other forces elsewhere. Hmm. See, they were going to have Triclops in in the laboratory. Weren't? Was it? I think it was Triclops anyway. I read. I read about that. That he was. Uh, it was even. I'm trying to remember now. Because he was. That was going to be one of the scenes where they captured He-Man in a net or something like that. I can't remember. I, I I seem to remember what you're talking about too, but I can't remember what the the exacts of it were. I actually read it on your page. Yeah, I. Uh, man, I can't remember uh, what it was. Yeah, but it, it was actually one of the original characters. No, it was like one of the original He-Man character villains. He was going yeah. to be in it, but I can't remember which one it was. But I, for some reason, it's Triclops in my head. So. <laughs> that music store is trash. This <laughs> <laughs> kind <Discount> sale, <laughs> blaster sale, even. <laughs> <laughs> Luke's already plotting how he's gonna take control of the situation once Teal's out of there. <laughs> See, they're okay, you know, you said earlier on, James, about, you know, like them saying the Cosmic Key and they're fine with it, but they're also fine with seeing Gwildor as well. Yeah, they're is... totally fine. Well, he said, <laughs> yeah. what the heck is that? And that was all, you know, I passed that, it's okay. <laughs> you know? it, 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 Again, only in America. <laughs> yeah, he still does not believe that these are like an alien invasion, it seems like. There's the the one Tila moment that I can see right there. Um, he's he's still just kind of like thinks that they're just a bunch of ruffians, you know. 
I mean, it's not like he's a regular dwarf, is he? He's that giant no. with the ears and the lion's <laughs> mate. I wonder if Courtney Cox remembers she was in this film. Because <laughs> it, it's, it's her first role, wasn't it? It's her first, like, film role, because... Yeah, she did the Springsteen video. Yeah. To me, it's all, you know, like, a lot of people may may not remember that she's in it, you know, like, whenever I first watched it again, I was just like, oh, there's Courtney Cox, but then a lot of people always seem to forget that Samuel Jackson's in Jurassic Park. Yeah. <laughs> Bit of a difference between the two actors, like, but, uh... Here's another Trek connection for you. The mom here is Christopher Pine's real-life mom, who is the new Kirk. Oh, right. Yep. Has she been in anything else? Because I recognize her face. I don't think she was. In, she's been in a whole lot of stuff. No, I don't. I don't know if she's been in the other major movies. Um, I can think of at least. I, I, I think she looks like Chris Pine in the face. Maybe that's what's <laughs> great. You imagine Chris Pine in. <laughs> <laughs> it always comes back to drag. <laughs> it always seems to come back to drag. And you, Dylan. So. No, my wife's still not here. <laughs> there you are, you see, that's why you told me you need to finish by 5 o'clock because she comes back at 6, want to try a few things on. <laughs> this is the cruelest thing Evelyn could ever have done, I think. Oh, and it's great the way it's filmed, too. Mm. It, they talk, he talks about this in the commentary, too, that it was originally panned to be this big kind of like changing special effects shot where she like turned into Evelyn and I think it plays so much better for her to get hugged and then she just talks like thank you my child and then it just pulls back and it's her and it, mm. I think it works so much better than if it had been a special effect shot it's so much more horrible though because it's so instant isn't it exactly yeah what I, what I quite like is the fact that yeah, her parents have turned out to be some sort of secret agents and she's alright with that and that yeah. they're after the cosmic key, it's fine. No, I don't fine. care, you're alive. It's alive, you know. <laughs> Caring boyfriend. What's the matter with you? She just explained where she was. And <laughs> what's going on, but he's still saying, what's the matter with you? Where were you? <laughs> What happened to you today? A troll had a gun and held me up at gunpoint. <laughs> <laughs> Not every day you'll say that. Oh, it's great. It's mm. so well done right there. And then she has like a fit. Yeah. <laughs> it's too much for her little brain. Just notice that little troopers have trouble running in that armor. They're yeah, quite bow legged when they run. <laughs> it seems like it's quite restrictive. Yes. It's always funny trying to see Goldor jump over that far. There's the. Uh, I think it's one of the stunt double midgets at that point. Right, that's incorrect to say that. Uh, is it? <laughs> um, I apologize for using that. <laughs> He's a dwarf, isn't he? He's a dwarf. No, to me, midgets fine. I think um, somebody said to me, "Say little people," and I thought that's more offensive I think than pets. That is more offensive. I think oh, he's a little person. A dwarf. I think he's actually a dwarf, right? Yeah, he's, oh, there is differences, isn't there? Yeah, there is. Yeah, I know. Little story. Um, I was at a comic convention recently, 
and I, I nearly bumped into Warwick Davis and knocked him on the floor. <laughs> I, I, I just said, I'm, I'm sorry, and I was about to say, I didn't see you down there, but I thought, oh, I'm saying that. Oh. Do you know what I mean? It, I, and I didn't mean it nastily, it was just genuine, like, oh, I didn't see you, but it was kind of like, ooh. Yeah. See, I felt bad about saying midgets a second ago, but now Dylan's, like, totally taking my... <laughs> I don't feel I'm so not bad. DC, you know. <laughs> He's a nice guy. Where are they going? I love this. <laughs> but they're still not aliens. <laughs> yeah, he still is. He's still gonna think about it. At this point, if I'm Lubick, I'm just gonna go. You know what? I'm going home. <laughs> but he still is like, oh, I gotta take these guys down. Oh my eyes. This is great. Yeah. Opening the portal, the huge portal and all these things coming through. This is a lot like the uh, pre-production painting of this sequence. This is an invasion. Give me the gun. Give me the gun. Give me the gun. Right there. No <laughs> back to the future in Star Wars, you know, the hoverboards and then what almost looks like the seal boards in Return of the Jedi that Skeletor's on. Yeah. Like Imperial Guard almost, Yeah. Yeah. I don't mind that. Skeleton needs the procession. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he's, he's he deserves it. There's Extender. <laughs> Multiple versions of him. Those are great, the, the flying disc things. Mm. I mean, it, it was such a, yeah, like you were talking about before with hoverboards and all that stuff. Such a sign of the 80s, that kind of... Yeah. So cool. Look at the two snakes on his... Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I need me one of those. That's... <laughs> and you're, you're right, it definitely has Return of the Jedi sort of influence. It was, it was, Stout had to do things that didn't fit any anything else sort of you know he so he kind of melded in this like Victorian design with future stuff and I mean I don't know if it was intentional doing the Return of the Jedi thing or not but uh, I think it looks fantastic oh hers is slightly smaller isn't it yeah I didn't it's, notice that I know it's probably the same one but Goes to show you shit and I hang on a blues up, including people. I <laughs> <laughs> like the way that Dolph Lundgren almost gets flattened by the um, the bars behind him. Oh, yeah. he goes open the door. I think we're all getting caught up on this. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's a million times, but still, like, there's certain. Things I'm, just like, I'm just like zoned in on it. I just like the fact they made poor World all run. He's yeah. got little legs. He can't catch up with you. Yeah, just pick him up. 
Yeah. Well, throw him at least. <laughs> I have the key, my lord. The natives are fools, weak, and easily controlled. It's just odd that you know he went went from Rocky Four, which was you know he didn't really say that much in it to this, where it did very very you know heavy dialogue, but managed to pull it off. And I mean, he really wasn't an actor. You know, he was uh, he's a kickboxer, and I think uh, he was a. Uh, had a degree in chemistry or something, I want to say. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And he went from that kind of stuff to doing the Rocky movie and then this. And I think he did a great job in this. For especially when you know, I think English was his second language, and it's like, uh, you know, like the, the guy had been in one other movie, and I think he did a great job in He Man. No, he does look quite terrified on that hoverboard. I think he's on in the actual like filming. He's like strapped to a truck or something like that. They have him. <laughs> oh, okay. no wonder he looks terrified. The, 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 the sequences like this, where you're seeing him from the front and from the side and stuff like that, he's actually like on top of a truck doing like 40 or something. I mean, another great inclusion with the figure is just a, a hoverboard. Yeah, that's a small little piece. It's not a vehicle. That's probably the vehicle we're going to get next year. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> if it is, we'll just hear Jim Sawyer <laughs> shouting from the rooftops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask that, you know, obviously in the 80s, films were a big part, you know, TV was, and video games. Do you think that this would have made a good video game? Well, they did a, uh, I think a Commodore 64 game of this, I want to say. Um... I remember a, I think it was, it was a He-Man game. It was like a side-on one that was very similar to Thundercats game, if memory yeah. serves. They, I think they did one for of this for Commodore, and, and I think it was some other system. I, I, I never played it um, because a lot of those tying games were pretty terrible back then. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The only one I remember was GT. Uh, oh, Ghostbusters! I remember I used to have that on the Commodore 64. I could never oh, play it. It was so hard. Oh, it's, was it, was, it was terrible on Atari 2600 too. That Ghostbusters game. It was so ridiculously so hard. This sequence is that, is that the one wherever you have the. We're going off on the tangent here. Sorry, folks. <laughs> uh, the one with the the um, the houses, and then you have like the car. Yes, yeah. Go, yeah. Yeah. Well, it wasn't hard for me because I completed it. So then. Uh, well, look at you. <laughs> I am looking at me. I'm standing in front of the mirror, looking at me while he man's playing in the background. I love this. How it's raising up. <laughs> the sculptor's just messing with him, you know. He he knows they can't go anywhere. He just is making this grand entrance on him. Okay. He just raises his hand and blocks all these shots. It's so awesome. It's great. But yeah, Frank Langella's just got it down to a key. Oh my gosh! You're talking about perfect casting for this. Yeah. It, it, in all in, in all truth, it, this Skeletor is my favorite Skeletor across all the cartoons, all the mini comics, everything else. Frank Langella's Skeletor is the Skeletor to me. Uh, I, the speeches are definitely Skeletor for me, for Frank Langella, but I do like 2002 Skeletor the most. I'll agree with you there as well. Then. I, I can uh, see 2000 Skeletor kind of being influenced by this almost. You oh, know, definitely. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's more than Yeah. It's, it's just, he, he, the Skeletor in this one doesn't, he doesn't feel like he doesn't have to do anything. <laughs> Powerful enough, he just sends lackeys or just raises his hand or... Yeah. Sorry, but whenever whenever Julie says, "Is a trap?" Does anyone else think I'm a Akbar? <laughs> it's a trap. 
I mean, this is. I think this is where we see Skeletor at his pinnacle. You know, I mean, it's. Uh, I don't think there's any, another time in any of the other mediums where he's so much in power. You know, it's like yeah, he's yeah. controlling everything. Look at he's so satisfied. Yeah. Yeah, he knows He-Man's coming. He knows he can beat him. He's just uh, he's got it all figured out right now. It's the laugh as well, you know, there. That's, that's it. Yeah, he's. Very I, smug. I, I've got to love Bill Conti's score, though. Oh, that's I, great. I, I adore it. Uh, the, the, the one piece of music I love the most is that when Skeletor enters the throne room. That that music's my favorite. But yeah, it's it really, is amazing. I, I love this sequence here. We get to see He-Man really fighting against all odds. You know, he he knows he's probably not going to win, but he's going to keep fighting until he can't fight. Anymore. You know, it's uh, it's very He-Man. Yes. Soundtrack's always been one that I've been meaning to get, but every time I go to get it, it's extortionately high priced. I'm gonna burn you a copy. Shh, off air, <laughs> dude. <laughs> I've got the original CD version and then the, the, the later expanded version. I'll burn them for you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't endorse piracy. <laughs> I can't believe what I'm hearing here. <laughs> Shut up, crossdresser. Principles of He Man, that's stealing. <laughs> <laughs> There's another moral for the end of the podcast. <laughs> There's too many morals. Today we learned that Dylan liked to crossdress. Not that there's anything wrong with this, but anyway, don't steal other people's material. <laughs> if he says so, we'll believe you. This is great. He Man's surrender here, giving up the sword and. He doesn't want any of people to die, and, and he, his skeletons are kind of like, oh, that's really well said. Yeah, you know, of course. You know, it's he's just a uh, kind of patron. He, he, I mean, he's, he's just so bored, and yeah, whatever. Run along. Yeah. And he doesn't even consider the rest of them a threat. Now, he's, it's always been about He-Man. He just, you know, just leave him alone. I don't even care. You know, I've got He-Man now. It doesn't matter. And again, nobody notices this big portal in the middle of... <laughs> what's that? Just don't go near yeah, that. Yeah, what's that what? over there? <laughs> okay, no, it says... There's somebody's put, like, you know, one of those health and safety signs. Do not enter. <laughs> it's definitely in case, of, in case of alien invasion, stay indoors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's two things here. In the, the Marvel adaption, E-Man doesn't get captured. He gets left behind on Earth with them. They don't oh. consider him threat anymore, so he gets just left behind after they get the key. Um, and then in the original storyboards for this, there's a whole sequence on the roof still, which I don't know if it got filmed, it got cut out or what, where Julie's asking what's wrong, and you know, it's, I'm hurting, and they're trying to get her water and stuff, and uh, she's uh, you can tell that she's going to die. That wound, though, when, when they show it, it does look... Oh, it's weak. so good. It's horrible. It really yeah, is. It's very close to the style painting of, of the way it was kind of growing into her leg, and eventually we just kind of take her over. Again, that's a, a practical effect that you know you wouldn't see that nowadays. 
would be CGI'd onto her leg. Mm. Actually, talking about painting, have you guys seen the original version of the Drew Strauss in uh, movie theater painting? Not the not the layout that we got. Yeah, but the the one that he was working on at the time. Yes. Yeah, I like it. I like I like all of them. I love his stuff. Anyway, That's I think great. it's a shame that they don't do this, that anymore. But um, what do you no, think about that? Uh... Uh, uh, not not to jump in on you too much, but uh, what do you think about that Drew Struzan painting for that that 2000s comic, the MVC comic? It looks like Dolph to me. I mean, I know they said. I can't all, remember that. Oh yeah, are you talking about the one that like the front uh, cover? Word, yeah, where he's like. Yes, yes, yes I know the one you're talking about. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. Yes, it's Dolph. Uh, yeah, it's it's great. It's a really great cover. Um, but they 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 kept saying no, it's not Dolph, it's not Dolph, which I think that a lot of people may have been saying. Just they didn't get in trouble for using the Dolph likeness, <laughs> but it looks like Dolph to me. But he is he, man. I think he's, he'd probably yeah. be alright with it, wouldn't he? He's like, yeah. I think he's fine. He's, uh, supposedly he's got one of the swords still. Like, uh, on the boards, some guy made his, had a sword made up and he got it signed. And he oh, yeah. Up, yeah. And he was saying, oh, it's not as heavy as the real thing. He's like, I've got one of these on my wall still. Which, that's oh, wow. pretty cool if he really does have one of the swords in the movie still. Yeah, like, obviously people will go, like, you know, whenever they're finishing, can I take this? And he's just like, yeah, I'm taking the sword. No, no, don't come near me. I've got a sword in my hand. (laughs) I'm Dolph Lerner. Are you really going to say no to me? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love all the gear on Man in Arms' back here. You can really see it really well there. And when when the earlier when they were on the rooftop and he had to get rid of all the weapons, like Man at Arms kept throwing down weapons. It seemed like he had uh, on him. And the fate of the world is left in the hands of a teenager. <laughs> oh no! Write <laughs> the sequence because he's gonna whistle it here. They don't. They don't have teenagers in Eternia because <laughs> they don't like, have memory either. <laughs> they don't have a soul. They don't know how to. Um. <laughs> well, that's it. Kevin's that songster guy, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I actually nowadays it'd be more like. <laughs> that's how it goes. <laughs> if Kevin turned out to be songster, I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, it's the only way they're allowed to bring in a songster figure now, is it? <laughs> oh, there's logistic issues. See, <laughs> <laughs> James, he'll turn up at one of the conventions dressed as that, and you'll be able to take a photo. You're like, I've missed you for so long, and now it's all worthwhile. Now, can you please dress in drag for my friend Dylan? <laughs> <laughs> I'm never going to leave this down. <laughs> no. You can kind of see that bird a little bit on that shoulder there that really matches that attorney and guard armor. Do you think the Four Horsemen have been trying to sneak stuff in like this? Oh, I think so. I think so for sure. I mean, that that, that Shira, or the, I'm sorry, the Adora gun being Tila's gun, it's 100%. It's like, wow, yeah, they they were really looking to put something in. So how do they get away with it then? That's Maybe. what I want to know. After all this, oh, we can't use this license, we can't use that, yet you can replicate the gun. Yeah, maybe it has something to do with the props. I don't know what their licensing is involved. Maybe it's just likenesses they can't do. Because um, I think they said before, too, that they could do a He-Man and Skeletor dressed like this and call them something else, but he said something to the effect of, but why do that when we can do other things first and not have to worry about that kind of 
legality issue. Here comes Pig Boy. Just I was going to say, right, who's, this, who's this guy called? Pig Boy? I love it. Yeah. You, you know the whole story behind Pig Boy, right? No. Oh, there was a contest. <laughs> oh! There was a contest, which uh, was Mattel-sponsored, where you send in the thing, and you could get a, a, a part in the live-action He-Man movie. So this kid, Richard Sponder, sends in... I, I apologize if I'm saying his name wrong. It's spelled like S-Z-P-O-N-D-E-R. Um, he sent in one entry and one, but by the time that he was going to be able to be in the movie, Gary Goddard was already done with all the Earth scenes. All they had left was Eternia scenes. And there was no way of just putting a kid in the movie in these scenes, like just having a kid standing there. So they came up with the character of Pig Boy to hold the staff. So you got to dress up on this makeup and be on the set and all this different stuff. Told his friends he was in a movie, and then the movie comes out and he's just Pig Boy. Which is <laughs> but uh, he barely made it into the movie because the, the timing of it was poor. Uh, and I think he got to take home the costume, if I remember right. Uh, John Atkin, who does interviews on Motu Movie, uh, interviewed him. And... Uh, I think he said he got. They sent the costume to him after the movie was done, and he's got all these great pictures of him like sitting in Skeletor's lap, and like standing next to He-Man, and just like this great stuff. And I'm like, man, you talk about a lucky kid back then. Yeah. I never noticed him until I read the interview with him, and then I spotted him. I just completely blanked him. Obviously, whenever I saw him, I was always thinking he's like a baby Gamorrean guard. Yeah. Yeah. This is great. Look at that shot where Skeletor's holding up the sword. He's, he's one. If if they are going to make a movie from the fi- a, a figure from the movie, it has to be God Skeletor. Yeah, I need a God Skeletor. I, I I didn't get to mention I was talking about Pig Boy, um, but uh, here it is. It's coming up here where they shackle him down. The way he looks at the sorceress, where he's just like, you can tell he's almost embarrassed that he's failed her. It's just like a great shot. I mean, and she's like taking, she's, you know, she's, he's, he's done everything he can. I mean, maybe I'm reading too much into the scene, but that's what I get from it. She's got more pressing concerns. She's old. Yeah. That is pretty horrific makeup. Yeah. Now, there's a whole sequence in the storyboards here where he's getting whipped and Skeletor wants him to kneel, you know? Um,. And He-Man says to him something it, it, there, that hasn't happened in this storyboards yet. Uh, but he um, he says to Skeletor something like, "Let me see my people." You know, okay, let me see my people, and you know, we'll, I'll, I'll give in basically. And so they turn on the Holosphere, and uh, all the like the people that are still fighting on Eternia, like the refugees and all the people that are fighting Skeletor's people that are getting defeated. The Holosphere comes on, and He-Man kneels to Skeletor on the holosphere and uh, you know all the people are like oh my god it's over He-Man's giving in you know and then he stands up while he's still like being shown to everybody on Eternia and gets right in Skeletor's face and says I'll never kneel to you and then like all the people on Eternia they, they shut off the holosphere but all the people on Eternia have now seen it and they all are like reinvigorated to fight the forces of Skeletor um, and then it, it goes past that into the battle between Skeletor and He-Man and the rest of Eternia is fighting back. You don't really get that addressed in the movie. All of the Skeletor's forces across Eternia that have been taking over, but in the storyboards it explains that they've been inspired by He-Man to fight back. That would have been really cool. It would have been really yeah. cool to see, yeah. And then the, the movie ends differently before they went back and re-edited everything. In the storyboards it basically just, you know, after that happens... The eye opens, and Skeletor gets the god power, and then just starts fighting He-Man. All of them arrive on Earth. All that's the same. And they just have just a fight. 
between Skeletor and He-Man. It's a very quick fight, and then Skeletor gets knocked out through that eye that's in the background. You know, that gets opened oh, up, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. whatever. And he's barely hanging on. You know, he's being sucked out, and He-Man's just telling him it's over. You know, let's let's now work together to rebuild Eternia or whatever. Um, and have peace on Eternia, and he's trying to save Skeletor, and Skeletor's like, save your peace and save your pity, and just lets, lets go and flies off into the universe or whatever. And that's how the original version ends, before they added in the second fight sequence with Skeletor in normal mode, and then falling and all that stuff. Oh, that's great. The way Skeletor's <laughs> kind of shuddering as he's getting hit. Yeah. He's kind of enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah, but he's kind of disappointed as well. I think, isn't he? That he's not. Yeah, he really wants him to to give up. You know, it's uh... just man, that just the way he's the, standing there. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, and I mean, uh... I think everybody can agree that this whole sequence of him just talking is just amazing. Brilliant. Yeah. I love this stage so much. It's not just a good Skeletor speech, it's like a like a great villain speech, you know, mm. for all different mediums. It's just, yeah, but his face, the way he's acting, that is just it's great. magic. He's relishing it, every second of it. You would have, I think you would have lost a lot of that if, if uh, you know, a lot of people complain and say, I wish it would have just been a skull face, and there's an original picture of the way it was going to be before they decided to switch more to like a makeup type rubber mm-hmm. makeup type thing. I think you would have lost all that. Yeah, I was going to say you'd lose all the emotion and stuff that he's putting into it. And if nowadays, they would do it like the Ghost Rider thing, where it would have been like a, a CGI skull on a body, and you'd mm-hmm. lose a lot of it, you know? You have to have that movement. Even in the filmation cartoon, Skeletor's face had expression. Like, he would do his eyebrows and do this and do that. Um, and you couldn't get that expression unless you did the makeup like they did it. Yes, if they do it CGI, I'd like them to mo-cap the face and make the skull move. I agree. You know, you know, you know more the eyebrows, obviously not the mouth part. Because uh, you yeah. can't expression with the lips or anything, but... I think they got the robe and everything, you know, like uh, the hood and everything. I think they got that totally spot on. Yeah. That's an integral part of Skeletor as well. I love all the little ornate things, like the two little straps that are dangling with all the little tiny mm. emblems on them. He borrowed that from Chewie. <laughs> <laughs> talking during this part. <laughs> yeah. So attentive on this sequence. If, you're, if you are watching this as you're listening to us, just go ahead and turn us off for a second and pay attention to this. <laughs> no, don't turn us off. Okay, just hit, just hit mute for a second. Just for this sequence. So you don't miss it. It needs to be appreciated. Yeah. I am a part of the cosmos. It energy flows. Flows through me. What consequence are you now? This planet, these people, they are nothing. Oh, it's so great. He-Man still won't kneel. I like the way whenever he was talking, the way Evelyn's like looking up as if to go, well, you know, my boss has kind of done it now. Yeah, he's, oh, it's, it's over now, you know. He's, uh, he's got it all. She wants it. <laughs> <laughs> you are now 
I like how she doesn't turn away. Like everybody else is kind of yeah. blind. She just keeps staring right at it. <laughs> and it's little things like that, you know. That I mean, they did that on the set, and it was just a little tiny thing. You may not even notice it when you're watching the movie, but it was important enough to them to go, "Okay, I want everybody to look away and shield their eyes." But Evelyn, I want you to stare intently. You know, I want you to just like keep focus. You won't, you won't look away. Thankfully, the Skeletor God costume is a hell of a lot better than the Samurai Skeletor we got. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Man, that'd be great. Be great, great as a figure. God Skeletor would be amazing. Mm. Oh, God, the amount of detail Paul Horseman put in for that. It would just be so neat. So this, I mean, this sequence stayed pretty much the same. Throughout all the different incarnations, you know, between the movie adaption and the storyboards, and everything like that, with the, the chunk of Earth coming to Eternia, the whole chunk of it coming. I think it, that's really a neat visual too, like the half of a building and a half of a car and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Talihiman's eyes are going to be screwed up with all those flashing <laughs> lights everywhere. <laughs> Wait, what the hell is this? <laughs> yeah, that, that double take. They're still not like, aliens. <laughs> yeah. He finally probably believes that. Okay, maybe they are aliens. Holy shit! I'm glad they kind of spruced up this scene too, with He-Man's strength levels and everything, other than just doing the quick. Fight. One thing that always impresses me is the marks on his back yeah. from the weapon. That always impresses me. I think it's great that they they never had him even like fall to kneel. It was just like, no, he man's not gonna kneel. You're gonna have to kill him before he'll kneel. Very much like in the 2002, whenever um, his mate Skeletor kneel in front of him by using you know the floor, and it has to drag him down, doesn't it? Yeah. Alright, <clears throat> boomstick. They're <laughs> 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 <A> rifle. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> and I love this this kind of thing too where... Even though Evelyn has been with Skeletor the whole time and you get to... She's like... You know, way into him and... But the minute she sees that things are going to go south, it's like... Okay, let's get out of here. You know, she's... she's no, it's just going to treat Beastman's cut because nobody's <laughs> seen to that. That's what she's way to do. I think that if they'd have made the sequel like they would have planned, I think there would have been some come up and treble in for a second. as she leaves, you can tell it's, uh, if he gets out of there, it's not going to end well for her. Mm. It would have been very much like that, that 2000s episode where he goes after her. Oh, Price of Deceit. Yeah. Oh, I love how he's, like, got the electricity all over his outfit. Yeah. This is, uh, uh, they added this, this sequence in where he knocks down one of those pillars, because they were like, okay, well, we haven't really shown a lot of He-Man strength in this final battle. we got to show something that 
it shows how strong He-Man really is. You know Skeletor's got this godlike power. It's yeah. just the godlike power that he gets, that He-Man gets. You know, I don't know. I mean, he, uh, the That's whole... That's what I was never sure. Yeah, they, he has to wait for the eye to open on the universe and all this stuff for him to get the power. So I don't know if, if maybe he had to wait for that eye to open for him to channel the power of Grayskull. Or what? I mean, and it seems like he's really worried about He-Man getting that power sword. So it's almost like... We'll have to be quiet for this part. Oh, yeah. Like somebody's playing Axie Uzis in this park. <laughs> we only get him to say it one time in the movie, but man, it, it's really cool when he says it. <laughs> I have the power. I love that. I will. It's always been between us, you know. It's uh, great. The two of them are just always going to be opposed. He gets all. He gets all the best lines. <laughs> I just love the, the I just love the lightning in this fight. Mm. I like the way it changes the, the background. It's just blackness. Yeah. yeah. Really nicely done. Yeah, now it's, it's just something so simple, but it's just done so well. It really is, and I mean, I'm sure it was done sort of, but it was done budgetary because they filmed this whole sequence after everybody else was gone. That's why you don't see anybody else in the, the thing. This was all added on afterwards. It's not um, Frank Langella, is it? It's um, Blade who's fighting He-Man at the minute. I, I'm pretty sure, yeah. Um, so all this was just added on later on, but it works because it's like they just they just talked about how it's always been between them, and now it really is the focus is just them. Mm. Everything else is gone. It's just between the two of them. Um, I think it, it works really well, regardless if it was because of plot or whatever. It just works really well. Um, now that they in the Marvel Comics adaptation, they're actually fighting like a top Castle Grayskull. This whole sequence goes down, and and Skeletor actually like is falling off of Grayskull, and it looks like Evil In may have like thrown a rock or something to kind of knock him off of Castle Grayskull in the, ad in the adaptation. So it's like Evil In's gone from like being his best friend to being like his worst enemy. His sword is really neat too. You don't get a lot of Skeletor's sword. Like the hilt of it's really neat. I'm, I'm Again, that's logistics. We all know about Skeletor's swords and everything. Good job. I remember being really sad as a kid when this happened. So did you, now when you were a kid, did you watch the credits for the extra scene? No, because when we were at the cinema, my mum kind of dragged me out. So, um, I, I What's this? At, at the end of the credits, yeah. Skeletor comes back. And he's, I'll be that... back. I did not know this. Yeah, yeah at the very well. end of the credits, he pops out of the water. Bottom, he's, I'll be back. And that's it. Yeah. Um... Was this maybe one of the first movies to do a after-the-credits scene? I can't remember I'm a movie before sure. this where I saw an after-the-credits scene. Um, no, because it's used, it's used so heavily today. All the time, yeah. you always do the credits now, but back then, nobody would have thought to stay through the credits. Yeah. I think Ghostbusters was one of the few that did it. I mean, that, and that wasn't at the end, though. It was during the credits. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like Cannibal Run was the first uh, American film to um, show outtakes. Yeah. 
Now, there's a whole sequence here that was filmed, and everybody knows about it, but we'll still talk about it anyway. Where each, each That's good, because I probably don't know about it. <laughs> there's a whole, long sort of Wizard of Oz kind of goodbye sequence with each character between Kevin and Julie. Um, and it was really, like, emotional. And Gary Goddard's talked about they, they screened it to audiences, and they loved it. You know, there was, it was a very emotional ending, like the goodbyes for everybody. Um, but time had to trim it down, and it had to be left. And he said it was one of his most painful cuts in the movie was losing that end sequence. See, if they re-release it on Blu-ray, fingers crossed, I would like them to do, like, a cut where they have everything that they wanted, but they couldn't oh. keep in because of the time. Be that cool. would be amazing. Yeah. I don't know if they'll ever release it, though. I would love... I mean, he's talked about before that he's got a, a big-name director that would be willing to come in and do the interviews for it and stuff. Which I'm, I'm pretty sure is Brian Singer because they're good friends. Um, oh, I thought you meant me. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, <coughs> but uh, yeah, I would, man, I'd love a Blu-ray of this. Look how shiny everyone is though. Now that everything's good. Yeah, it's like the end sequence of Star Wars where C-3PO's all cleaned up. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> Grilled all got bows in his hair. He's got bows in his hair now. But <laughs> this sequence would have also revealed the whole. Uh, correlation with and I don't know if any of that was actually filmed if that was just in the, the adaption in the original story where Man in Arms brings in the American flag and shows them hey you know NASA our original settlers from Earth a thousand years ago but thankfully that's not actually in the movie there are some snazzy pajamas <laughs> I love how old and He-Man's armor is I mean yeah oh yeah yeah it's so cool and that, that's another thing where you can tell that it's like been a hard battle he goes from this beautiful golden armor to where it, throughout the movie it almost looks black mm-hmm. uh, lovely lovely PJs yeah <laughs> <laughs> now, I like how she comes down she's got on normal PJs right so she goes running out in her PJs but yet Kevin's running towards her place and he's got on like a leather jacket and jeans and that's what he sleeps <laughs> in again again this is the guy who microwaves chicken jams <laughs> he like sleeps in that slob or he, or he took time to get changed he woke up and was like oh wow I'm in the past I'm gonna get changed then I'm gonna head over but not brush my teeth I'm <laughs> <laughs> gonna warn her their parents are about to die <laughs> time's not of the essence for Kevin he's like you know I got time we're just going away for the day we'll be back It's a cool cap for the end of this movie, too, to, to see, you know, it, it, what may have kind of sort of a minor plot line with her, the death of her parents, kind of that getting fixed. Like, well, I like the way they don't, you know, the parents don't question the fact that our daughter's running outside in the dress, you know, like, in her nightie with all our stuff. We go, like, has she gone mad? No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> did you see that portal last night? No, I did not. <laughs> I'm just mad. Uh, gotta get back in time. <laughs> <laughs> Your singing always fails to impress me, James. <laughs> I have a sore throat. You have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've never used that excuse before. <laughs> <laughs> I, I take it back. I said we get the I have the power one. We do get it twice. We get the last sequence here. Right, cut, grease skull. What? Now, why did Kevin get it? I would have given that little thing to Julie. <laughs> you know, if they break up, that's just a 
Yeah, well, he was the guy who went down to, you know, uh, to sell that thing, so that's probably what he's going to do. Going like, yeah, I'll wait until a couple of, you know, <laughs> until she's forgot, I'll go and sell it, you know. He thinks it's a synthesizer. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. That was the movie. Hey. Fun stuff. Fun stuff. i got to say that I thoroughly enjoyed um, both watching this and li- listening to um, little bits of trivia, which always... I always love picking up on, so thank you both for that. And I hope you've both enjoyed watching this film as well. Oh, I, 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 I always enjoy watching this film. It's fun to watch it with, with a couple of people that enjoy it with me. You know, it's, uh, it's one of I haven't watched this film in so long, but it's nice to just sit down and watch it, you know. And uh, I can't remember, not that I don't remember a lot about it, but like I remember like the plot line and everything, but there's certain parts that I've forgot about, so it's nice to rekindle that. So while the credits are rolling before the thing comes up, I will let um, both the gentlemen pimp their stuff before we round up. So James, I'll let you pimp first of all, and uh, Merry Christmas to you, sir. Oh, well, Merry Christmas to you too. And I, I do want to say one real quick thing. I wanted to thank uh, a friend of mine, um, my friend Matthew Hahn. He, uh, he at my birthday last year, he, he worked at the theater, and he surprised me by you know calling me up and saying, hey, I need a ride home. I really could use, uh, you know, my car broke down and I drove out there and he was actually like, he cleared out a theater and like showed me this movie in the theater. Oh, wow. It was amazing. It was really amazing and it's like, it, it, it fixed something that I'd waited since 87 since I hadn't seen it in the theater. <laughs> That's oh. awesome. It was That's really cool. incredible. It was really, really cool and I, I, I can't thank him enough. Um, but our, our, we're pimping now, right? Yeah. Oh. Well, not Cadillacs, we're not pimping Cadillacs, we're pimping, you know, like what we work <laughs> I on. Guess it would only be appropriate to pimp my Motu movie site for this one, which is uh, motumovie.com. Um, if you want to learn more about the 87 movie or see some cool stuff on there, you've got some storyboards, you've got the uh, the licensing guy, we've got some great interviews on there. Uh, I do a lot of work on there, and then John Atkins done a lot of great interviews on there, too. It's uh, a really fun site for fans of the movie. Sweet. Well, thank you, as always, James, for coming on. It's always a pleasure to have you on. And uh, next up, Dylan. So, Merry Christmas to you, sir, and just promote whatever um, you work on as well, sir. Oh, thank you, sir. I just uh, want to pimp my Facebook page. It's www.facebook.com forward slash M-O-T-U-C. Just to go on there, talk about whatever you want. Master of the Universe, anything. And while we're here... Uh, oh, Dylan, you wanted to talk about something before we round up as well. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's just... Well, they keep talking about doing this, the movie, the new one that they're coming up with. And I just wanted to see what you would like there to be and who maybe you'd want to play certain characters etc I'll let James go first what I would like out of the new movie um, yeah. like now James we don't, we don't have like um, three hours so <laughs> <laughs> keep, keep it short and sweet uh, uh, real quick the most integral things to me are I would love to see um, a Dolph Lundgren cameo or a Frank Langella cameo would be amazing for me uh, uh, I think that you know, I, I'm not so concerned about Prince Adam and all that stuff. I think working it with just like a He-Man Skeletor battle is fine with me. Even if you didn't even mention Prince Adam, I would kind of be okay with it if they did more of a mini-comics take on it. Um, but uh, one of the more integral things, I think, is, is seeing some real special effects and not an overly CGI movie. I think that would kind of check me out of the movie if it's all CGI'd. I want to see some real sort of Conan-esque uh, effects and like storytelling and battles and stuff like that. For me, I'm the opposite. I want a transformation sequence. <laughs> I want to hear, by the power of Skull, I have the power. I want to see a Prince Adam and a He-Man. I want to see that. That's one thing that I... 
I, not that I didn't enjoy in this film, but the fact that we didn't see a transformation sequence, which was something that, you know, obviously watching the filmation cartoon is something that I really wanted to see, so that's something that I would you like Chris, to see. Chris, watch, watch. Yeah. There's a skeleton scene. Yeah, I saw that. Mine seems to be going faster than everyone's. And I've never ever, I've never ever seen that before. That's ridiculous. And as a kid, I always <laughs> thought that when people said, I'll be back, I really didn't take it as an Arnold reference, I took it as a Skeletor reference. Like, hmm. you know, people would say to me, I'll be back. And if, what is that movie from? I'm like, oh, it's from He-Man. It's from Master's Universe. No, it's Arnold. He says it in, like, every movie. And it wasn't until years later that I realized that I was totally backwards with that, that it wasn't a skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> You're just a little hardcore than everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what would you like to see in the film, Dylan? And then we'll uh, call it a day. Well, the one thing is a wrestler playing He-Man. That's that's one of the main things, and it's more. I want someone who can act, and is believable. Because I mean, they were lucky with Dolph Lundgren, but I mean, yeah. if the only way they can do it is maybe have it as a CGI animation, that's stylized, I'd be happy with that. Which I know a lot a lot of people would be happy wouldn't be happy with, but if it's a means to an end, I'd be happy with it. So yeah, okay. you broke up a little bit on me there. You said you don't want a wrestler playing it, right? No, 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 no. Don't want a wrestler at all. Okay. I, yeah, I, want I'm, I, I, I agree with you that I'm, I'm almost of the opinion that a lot of people say He-Man's got to be like a house. He's got to be huge. He's got to be big. I, I think the same thing with Superman and him is like it, he doesn't have to be a house. He doesn't have to be humongous. He just has to be fit. You know, I mean, Superman's powers are derived from being a Kryptonian. He doesn't have to be a huge dude. He-Man's powers come from the power of Grayskull. He doesn't have to be a humongous dude. Um it just has to be a fit dude, not like a wimp or anything like that, but like mm-hmm. he doesn't have to be wrestler size, in my opinion. As long as he's a good actor and has a good fit, I think that's more important than trying to pull off a dude that has the 24-inch python. <laughs> I can't imagine Hulk Hogan playing, oh, what are you going to do, brother, by the power of Grayskull? <laughs> I would actually pay to see that, but uh, that's uh, neither here nor there. So uh, we'll just write up. So, uh, gentlemen, thank you so much for doing this. Um, really had a blast doing it. And hopefully uh, we can do some more um, discussions and stuff in 2010, um, since you're both um, part of the Master of the Universe Classic Facebook groups um it'd be uh brilliant to have you back on again so thank you both very much thank you for having me and thank you for having me as well okay so that was the 1987 master universe film um that we did a commentary on so hopefully you all enjoyed it and uh, that's the last of the the commentaries for 2010 so see you all in 2011 i usually say until next time but it's only fitting that i say good journey <laughs>